Support for this podcast comes from the patrons at patreon.com slash Serlin. Hi, everybody. This is Serlin on Game Design, episode 15, Overwatch. And with me is Aphotix. Hi there. How's it going tonight, Serlin? Hey, it's going great. We should talk about Overwatch because it's everywhere. It's huge. Probably yeah. we've taken this long to talk about it because we've been playing it a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, no time to talk about things when I'm busy playing ranked right now. I thought about doing this episode even during the beta before it shipped, um, but we just, I don't know, we just kept playing it. Yeah, couldn't so get around to it. We should let people know about our backgrounds and how we're so opposite here. Like I, I don't really like first person shooters. I mean, I've actually played a bunch of them, so I'm not like totally lost or anything, but they're just not really my thing. And then for you. Yeah. So I'd say the game I've spent the most time playing competitively in leagues and tournament settings would be Counter-Strike, all the various iterations. So for me, I'm coming from a very hardcore, I mean, also Quake and, and some other games Call of Duty on occasion, but pretty much hardcore military style shooters is something I'm very at home with yeah and counter-strike is like the most hardcore <laughs> of the shooters yeah it's pretty much the most cutthroat shooter especially in the competitive scene ever made so how is it that overwatch managed to appeal to both of us i give overwatch a 10 out of 10 which is yeah i agree with that i would totally agree with 10 out of 10 and i don't do that very often i know you don't either so this, oh, is, this God, is like no. really saying something I, I i'd even like to put in that i was not destined to like this game i didn't I wasn't excited about it. I didn't plan to play it. I didn't care about it like ahead of time. Uh, I actually was really into buying it or trying it on both the platforms, both console and PC, just for the menus. Is because we're trying to design a menu system <laughs> for a, a fighting game, Fantasy Strike, and it's very difficult to make a menu system that works correctly and consistently across mouse and controller interface. And I knew Blizzard would do a good job of that, so I wanted to see that. But then I ended up like totally liking the game itself. <laughs> That's, that's a very roundabout way. I'd say it's a very unique way of arriving at enjoying Overwatch. <laughs> yeah, it might have been different than the way that the 9.7 million people who played the beta, you know, how they got into it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't think too many of them were, were just really in it for the menus? <laughs> well, maybe a couple. But <laughs> well, yeah, here and there, you know. The menu enthusiasts out there, I'm sure, please. So we haven't really rehearsed this or, or thought ahead of time, but how do we approach this this discussion? Like, what is it that they've done that's appealed to us both? Well, I mean, maybe we should start by just defining what Overwatch is even about, what it even is. I mean, not Go that ahead. people yeah, wouldn't sure. know, but, but still, just, just as a point of reference, if nothing else. So it is a team-based 6v6 first-person shooter with, what is it, 21 different asymmetric playable characters, right. which all have various abilities and, and means of dealing damage and supporting or, or whatever else they might do. And then you're taking your team of six and going into various game modes, whether it's trying to push a payload through a map to the endpoint or holding down objective points on a King of the Hill style or, or taking over control points and pushing the enemy's defenses. So yeah, that's what Overwatch was. So what do they do that appeals to both of us? Uh, I think one thing is how aiming works, right? Because aiming really defines shooters and like how precise you have to be. And Overwatch is in a strange place where they decided to kind of cater to the entire possible spectrum 
of characters that literally don't even aim at all to very precise characters like Widowmaker the Sniper. Right. So I, I think that's a big deal that, that it's really every point on the aiming spectrum is sort of covered. But what else? Or what do you think of that? If well, actually, I think, I think there's something definitely to say about that, which is it's commendable that they've managed to make interesting characters in a shooting game where you're not really shooting like Winston or Mercy. Yes, and both of those characters need to look around properly and identify targets and whatnot. But, I mean, you're doing almost nothing compared to what, like, you referenced the Widowmaker or Hanzo has to do. So the fact that they've even pulled that off at all and those characters don't end up as really unsatisfying or lame is pretty remarkable, I think. Yeah, it's surprising that they are there at all or that they exist or are functional. Uh, they're a good gateway. Like, I think the very first game I ever played, I was Mercy, maybe. Because I, I figured, like, oh, I don't know about this aiming thing. I'll just play Mercy. And that allowed me to, like, understand basically what's going on. And so now I'm a little more comfortable to try other types of characters. So that, that's a factor. About Winston, though, um, what's interesting to me is that he feels like he's an MMO character. Let's just say what his moves are. There's so few moves that we can easily just rattle them off. So he's got this lightning gun that's, like, not really a gun. It's almost like an area of effect spell. You just, right. You sort of face anything. It's like hitting a barn door or something. Just sort of face any direction and then everybody over there will get hit. You don't have to aim continuously over time. And then he's got a shield that he can put down. It's a big hemispherical bubble that has a thousand hit points, which is about five times as much as a normal character. So you can try to be in the shield and he can shoot out of it, but the enemies would have to break it before they can shoot in. He can use it to protect his teammates. Oh, and, and his leap. He can... Uh, jump very far which will let him get to the back row of the squishy people like the healers or something or get out of trouble if he's in trouble you can use it to get to high up spots also because he can leap upwards as well and that's it that's all of his normal moves and then everyone has a one super move and his super move he just becomes like a very high hit points crazy beast that can just punch that's all he does <laughs> he just leap and, and and punch and knock people back so that could actually fit in like world of warcraft couldn't it uh, almost uh, you wouldn't have to do much tweaking i mean it might be a little clunky but yeah right that that general concept you could very much port over to an mmo yeah that's interesting i mean maybe that's part of the sauce they've discovered here is taking abilities that are from other genres like an mmo and kind of putting them in a shooter right and, i mean and, i mean team fortress has this stuff too but I, I feel like overwatch is more team fortress than team fortress itself that's a funny thing to say but yeah i, I know what you mean and i would say that team fortress 2 specifically i didn't play the first one but team fortress 2 has a lot of elements that you can find in overwatch but i think overwatch pushes the boundaries on what characters can do and the different roles possible just infinitely more than Team Fortress 2 did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I meant by that statement. You know, I kind of wanted to talk about the level of complexity they chose for the characters, like where on the spectrum, but did you have any other ideas of how they've managed to appeal to both of us first, or should we go into that? Uh, I think we could talk about I think this will actually help enlighten what appeals to us, so let's talk about it. Okay, so they could have chosen anything they wanted on the on the spectrum you know they could have said like all you have is fire and alt fire and that's it or they could have made mmo type characters that had 30 abilities 
but they chose this very specific level of complexity that's uh, pretty far towards the simple end for most games. But maybe it's a little much for most shooters. I'm not really sure. But people have about five moves, right? You have like a regular fire and alt fire, a special ability, and then like usually another special ability that applies to yourself, like a run or a jump or a shield or something like that. And a super move. That's about it. Yeah, that's about the average. And it's not a strict template. Like Winston has a little less and some people also have some kind of passive ability that's just always going on or whatever. So I guess tell me, what do you think about that level of complexity compared to other shooters? Okay, sure. So it's interesting to try to measure the way Overwatch works against other shooters because it really depends on the style of shooter. For example, Mm -hmm. Counter-Strike certainly has less complexity on your character. I mean, unless you want to get really nitpicky saying that all, you know, different grenades you have do different things. You have to use them a certain way. But, you know, ignoring that, that's kind of like fluff. For the most part, you pretty much just have your main gun and a secondary. And that's pretty much it. That's pretty much all you're doing with very, you know, limited mobility options and whatnot. You're pretty much just running around at a very constant speed. And then using your assault rifle, occasionally pulling out your pistol, that's it. Hold on. So that, just so our listeners know what we mean, that doesn't mean that Counter-Strike is a simple game or that it's easy to play or whatever. No, no, just in terms of your character. Right, yeah. So this is not a judgment call and like, uh, you know, Counter-Strike's too easy or something. It's just how much of the complexity is stored in the character's moves as opposed to other things. Yeah, so go on. So, But then you have other types of FPSs like Halo or Quake where your asymmetry in what your character does actually comes from finding weapons on the map or or different power-ups like, you know, health health boosts and whatnot. And that, at any given point in time, you have less complexity than an Overwatch character. But overall, throughout the course of a match, due to picking up different weapons at different times, you might end up with a similar amount of, of different things you will be doing. But still in any given state, like if we were to freeze frame a match of Quake, you will still be more simple than an Overwatch character. So I'd say overall, it's more complex than almost any of the major FPSs that we've seen so far. That's funny, since I think of it as being shockingly simple overall. (laughs) Right, right. I I totally agree with that. It's just compared to the other games in the genre. Right, yeah. So like fighting game characters have, well, 3D fighters, you usually have about 200 moves. And I think that's too many. But in 2D fighters like Street Fighter or Guilty Gear, you have about 30 moves approximately. And well, it depends on what year you're talking about but you sometimes have about 30 moves in world of warcraft <laughs> right right <laughs> at some points in time there's, it's been that in starcraft oh, i used to know off the top of my head how many units there were but it's been a while i sort of forget i think it's on the order of 30 though right i was gonna say like over 20s i think yeah it's more so it's more than 20 it might be around 30 well it's not five is the point and, <laughs> sure. and then um, I, so I mentioned that fighting games had sometimes 30 or sometimes 200. And so we're making Fantasy Strike, which is a fighting game that's trying to be the simplest fighting game, like way simpler than anything else. And you have about 10 moves. Some characters have a few more, like 14 or something, but a lot of them have like 10. So that is like shockingly simple for that genre. And yet our characters, which are so simple that people wonder, like, you know, is this grand experiment going to work? They have twice as many moves as you do in Overwatch. (laughs) Right. So it depends what angle you're coming at. But from my angle, Overwatch is just 
so simple and I'm not complaining. I mean, as a player, I found that I often fail to use all the moves. <laughs> it's not ironic. Yeah, I, I know. It's, and so I guess one thing I wanted to say about that is like if you made a, a World of Warcraft character that only had five moves and that's I mean, that's a little unfair because one of those is a super move that you can't use all the time. So it's more like four moves a lot of the time. I think it wouldn't work very well. But it, because there's so much to just moving around the 3D environment and and aiming, I mean, just the twitch aspect of it that exists there that doesn't somewhere else, there is more to it. Like you don't need as many moves as you would in an MMO or something. Although I, I can't quite explain like the difference between Overwatch and fighting games. Like why do fighting games need way more moves? Part of it could be the parts of the machine concept. So uh, I guess we, sh we should talk about that. I think it's closely relate related to how they chose to do what they're doing. So parts of the machine is something that I usually say is a bad thing, is a negative. That's the idea, like in an MMO, that you have a tank, a healer, and a DPS, and together that forms a machine. That that's the real unit of your play, is that trinity of, of classes forms the machine. Whereas in some other games, like in Street Fighter or in StarCraft, you are the entire machine by yourself. You don't actually need other players to, to complete you. Well, I mean, StarCraft... Starcraft 2v2 I'm talking about. Or what are some other games that you have a whole machine? Well, Counter-Strike for one. Yeah. Go on about Counter-Strike. Why is it? Why do you have the full machine? It's because you can play all the parts, right? You can play yeah, all the Yeah, essentially there's, no, there's nothing that you can't do in the game that someone else could do other than player skill. So, you know, when I, when I zone into the map and, you know, I buy my weapon, I could buy absolutely any gun in the game. I could go to any point on the map. And I could fight however anyone else possibly could. You know, you can't say that about a game like Overwatch, where if I pick Lucio, there's certain things that I physically cannot do that a Widowmaker could. Right. So the thing that's often said in support of this concept of parts of the machine is that it encourages teamwork. And I think that that is just a garbage argument. To think about how silly that sounds, it's sort of like saying, well, Counter-Strike doesn't have enough teamwork. <laughs> Right, yeah. It's like laughable because it's, I mean, it's almost like the most intensive teamwork game there is or something like it's. Right. Uh, I would say important. at best, at best, there's no correlation between parts of the machine or not and teamwork. And if anything, there might be a correlation with having complete characters who don't need parts of the machine might actually relate to more teamwork, if anything. Uh, yeah. So to explain why there's that misconception, if you have a parts machine design where I can heal and you can do damage and someone else can tank and that sort of thing. So we have to work together because if we all go lone wolf, we're completely ineffective. Right. So there's there is teamwork. I mean, there has to be. It's forced on you. And I think the misconception is that because there's teamwork, it means there's more teamwork than the other way. But that is not true because in the other way of doing it, where we each have our own machine, if we decided to all go do our different things, I mean, I guess we would be better off than in, in the parts of machine thing. So it's f at first glance, you'd think we don't need teamwork. But of course, we absolutely do if we want to win against opponents using teamwork. And we have way more flexibility in our teamwork because anybody can do anything. That's the actual reason right there is that in games that don't have the parts of the machine design, you have so much more flexibility. There's so many more things you can do that coordinating with your team matters that much more. Yeah. 
I want to give the example of Diablo 3 as a not parts of machine design, where at first glance it sounds like it is because you, you have like a barbarian or, or something. And so maybe he's like a tank. But actually, everyone is kind of their own full machine in Diablo 3, at least. And it's, it's because healing is like a universal mechanic. So that allows a lot more team compositions to work. Like each character works on their own. And so you can kind of throw them together in whichever way. So anyway, that's a lot of talk about why parts machine design is bad. <laughs> but then that's what Overwatch is. It's the exact thing that, that I'm saying is bad. And then I'm saying Overwatch is fun. So what happened? And why did they choose this? So I think it's just all about the level of complexity, the thing that we were talking about earlier. And specifically, I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm pretty sure that at the beginning of the Overwatch project, they must have known that they were going to release on console and PC. I mean, I think I've heard them say that, that it wasn't like halfway through they started thinking about that. I think from just day one, they were thinking about the PlayStation 4 controller. And that right there tells you how many moves you're going to have. You're not going to have 30 moves on the PlayStation 4 controller or it's, it's not going to go over well. So they were kind of destined from day one to have uh, at most fire, alt fire, a special ability, a super ability, and then maybe one more thing that affects yourself. And if that's the palette of moves that you're stuck with, you kind of can't have a whole machine. So like in our fighting game where we've vastly simplified things, but we didn't simplify it down to five moves because if we did, that's not enough to work with to make all the matchups fair. Each character in our game has to be a whole machine because it's a one-on-one -on -one game and it's totally ridiculous if a particular matchup is like 9-1 or something. 9-1 meaning like if you played it 10 times, so one side would win nine times. So I think that they just knew that they couldn't really possibly make full machine characters <laughs> And that's how they were. That's how they went down this path. Now, it, that explains like kind of mostly why it is what it is. But they probably went even farther with the parts of the machine thing than they even needed to. Like, to, how extreme does it feel to you? Well, if, I it, think if actually, at all. To, almost to rewind to your last point about how they kind of couldn't possibly have more moves and would comfortably fit on a controller and whatnot. That's completely right. So then you either have to look at parts of the machine in order to fulfill different roles, or you don't have different roles, like meaning you don't have healers maybe, or you don't have something that you might define as a tank and everyone just kind of, you know, kills people in a different way. And I mean, surely that game could exist and then you wouldn't have parts of the machine. Yeah, that's but what I, I meant is that they, they didn't actually have to make a healer. Right. Uh, given that limitation of moves. So they were pushed towards parts of the machine, but they, they went even further than they strictly had to because they do have dedicated healers. I, I'm not really too sure what to think about how the game might have looked had they avoided it. But I will say... I think part of what makes parts of the machine frustrating to me in most games is absent in this game, which is that in most parts of the machine games that I can think of, you are essentially useless in a lot of situations where you're removed from your machine or, or where things break down. And then there's a lot of, uh, there's a period of time where there's very little gameplay. Like I could think of League of Legends where if my carries die and I'm the support player and I'm, you know, much weaker than some of the other enemy players, any time where I'm without my carry players, I'm going to be very unhappy with the gameplay because I'm not really doing much. Or I could think of in World of Warcraft where 
I'm a DPS and I take aggro off the boss, I'm just going to die immediately. It's not very fun. So I don't think, you know, despite the, the issues we have with the, the teamwork element, I don't think parts of the machine is inherently less fun. I think it just so happens that it comes out that way often. But a lot of those moments just never come up in Overwatch. Like if I'm playing Mercy, uh, a character who can hardly even deal damage except in a, an emergency situation, I don't often run into a situation where I'm like, oh, well, I'm just stuck by myself and I'm just going to die to their team. Like it just doesn't really happen. So the fact that, you know, I might be a dedicated healer or, you know, if I'm Reinhardt, who's a dedicated tank, it just seldom comes up the, where where you feel kind of stranded and helpless. Well, I mean, it does happen. Like, why why would it happen less than in some other game? I don't know if it has to do. Well, that's a it's a good question. Just just from playing so much of all these different games over the over the years, I couldn't explicitly tell you exactly what what makes that occur less. But I would have to venture that it has to do with number one is the fact that the team sizes are bigger than most games. You know, if you look at League of Legends, it's five v five, but that's very kind of subdivided over the map or World of Warcraft, where the competitive mode is 3v3, the fact that it's 6v6 means that there's more of a chance for you to have at least some other parts of the machine around you most of the time compared to other games. And I think that probably has a lot to do with not being stranded by yourself too much. Yeah, I want to bring up the 6v6 thing. Like, why 6? Why not any other number? Well, I do know one thing they've actually said on the issue, which is that I think at some point they, they were thinking about 5v5. I think it might have actually been implemented in the game that way at some point. But they realized, or, or a quote from maybe Jeff Kaplan or someone else was, 5v5 is just too small of a team size because if just one of your players is having an off day or a bad game, it can cause you to lose the whole match without being able to do much about it. But at 6v6, any individual player's performance is diluted enough by the rest of the team where you can absorb that kind of, you know, misplay and still come out on top. That's interesting. So when asking, you know, why that team size, uh, so World of Warcraft has two on two and three on three, right? Right. And we can see f from those modes, maybe it's just very limiting in, in compositions, the more slots you have is kind of like the more open-ended the teams can be, I feel like. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's definitely more rooms to, let's just say that even if the game was like terribly balanced and there was a bunch of things you absolutely had to have, like every team, you know, I'm just exaggerating here, but every team needs to have a Reinhardt and every team needs to have a Lucio and every team needs to have a Widowmaker, blah, blah, blah. I bet you at the fifth or sixth slot, you could still do a bunch of different things, which would still lead to more variety than games that are 2v2. Yeah, I mean, you get a, you get a huge buffer to work with because even right. if it's everybody needs to be these one or two people, that's only a couple slots. And then exactly. somehow, it, it so that, well, that's like point one. And then point two is the extent to which everybody, quote unquote, everybody needs to have Reinhardt or whatever, whoever it is, seems to be diminished by just having the extra slots because you have so much more play in there to make up for it with some other weird combination, maybe. Like, you've got a lot to work with. Like, even if Reinhardt was super good, some coordinated, you know, four other character <laughs> combo could also be good in a way that right. just couldn't exist if it was only 3v3. Oh, also, this doesn't actually speak to my exact point about feeling kind of stranded w without the rest of your machine. But another thing that might make this game parts of the machine, that element of it less frustrating, is that due to the 6v6 team size, 
it's very likely that you are currently being countered by someone on their team and also countering someone on their team. Whereas if you shrunk that team size to, let's say, 3v3, there's a good chance that either you're just countering someone on their team and they're not countering you back or vice versa. And that can lead to a lot of frustration also. Yeah, I, I think maybe you've you've hit it on the head with uh, the team size kind of explaining why it doesn't feel so bad. It's that combined with how the respawn works. So, right. Like That's the other thing I was going to mention. Yeah, at any given time, I mean, what are you really afraid of? Like, what would the terrible situation be? It would be if you were Mercy and there was nobody else around and you just had no chance at all. Like, if that happened just constantly... Right. then you would say this parts of the machine thing feels bad or uh, that, that's one feel bad. Another one would be you wouldn't actually need your whole team to die if it was like an important combo where, yeah, some people are still alive, but like the thing you really needed was dead and would all fall apart. So I feel like to answer those separately, like the the first one where you're you're just alone, it's just unlikely to happen because... People just here and there, people are dying and then they're coming back and they're respawning. And it's just like unlikely to to have you be literally alone. I mean, there's just always kind of enough people around or something. You get that feeling? Oh, absolutely. That's totally the fact that respawns are quick and then run times. I mean, they might feel long when you're in the middle of a match, but compared to some other games, the run times are not long at all. So you're very likely to be surrounded by people. Yeah, so it's enough that you don't feel like just one part of a machine going it alone. <laughs> I, right, I, guess exactly. you, I guess you've always got at least uh, two or three parts and that's kind of enough to be functional. It's a, right. if, if it's not enough to do what you really need to do, like push through a difficult choke point, if it's not enough to do that, it's still enough to hold your ground and wait a few more seconds for everyone else to show up or something. So that's maybe one way they've gotten around this if we were designing this game from scratch this might have been a hard sell though i don't know if you told me this ahead of time i'd be like uh, i don't know it's gonna still be crappy but somehow i think it's actually not. maybe we need to talk almost more about the respawns when you think about it because i mean not that we haven't already said what needs to be said but i mean if you look at so many of the games that have parts of the machine that we get frustrated with the respawns are huge or they just don't exist right if you're looking at world of warcraft if your healer dies in an arena match well your healer's dead and now you lose that's it you're done or, or in league of legends later in the game between the actual death timer and then running back to where you need it to be, you could be looking at a minute, minute and a half. Like, that's dramatically more than exists in Overwatch by magnitudes, you know, by a factor of like four or something. So I really think the death timers and actually getting back into the gameplay, into the action, is a huge reason why it's not so bad. Uh, another thing that minimizes it is the amount of healing that exists in a game, even without the healers. Like, let's say you don't have a Mercy or Lucio or the, or you do, but they're dead. All right. Well, if you are Roadhog, you can self-heal. If you're Bastion, you could self-heal. If you're anybody, you can get health packs from around the map. Who else can do it? May, Tracer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, May. Reaper. Reaper can pick up globes. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about Tracer, too. That's a good point. You can get health back. So there's a bunch of ways to get health back. And the, those ways are all making it less of a razor edge about like have mercy or die or something. Right. And I think you could say the same on the, the kind of tank end of the spectrum where, yeah, not everyone's got 500 HP. But I mean, if you let's say you were missing the tank element, but you had the healers and the, the damage dealers. Well, some damage dealers still have 250 health. You know, maybe you give them a Symmetra shield or a Torbjorn armor pack and it's even higher than that. 
And if you have someone healing someone with that much health, they still won't die right away. So it's kind of like, you know, you're still pseudo-tanky even when you don't have an actual tank present. Just like you can kind of pseudo-heal even without a healer. Uh, a moment ago, I said that there were two different uh, feel-bad things we we're going to address. So one of them was like, you're mercy and you're alone. But the other one was, okay, you're not alone. You have some other people, but the critical part of your combo uh, is gone. And so now you feel bad in parts of the machine. But that is not really a thing, in my opinion, because this is like... Like, let's name what some of those combos would be. Maybe it's like uh, Reinhardt in front of a Bastion. Like that's like a combo or like, I don't know, what else? What's some of the better combos you could do? Uh, Mercy with Afara. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. That's That was even the weekly brawl. It was such a thing. So things like that, they're not like combos in Magic the Gathering. Like a combo in Magic the Gathering is like, if I get the three cards to all hit the table at the same time, I get infinite mana and do infinite damage and win instantly. And if I, if I don't... <laughs> If I don't, then they're all worthless. They're like the same as not even being there. It's like the most extreme thing possible. Not all combos are like that in Magic. Sometimes one or two of the pieces helps you a little bit. But a bunch of the time, it's it's like what I'm saying. And this Overwatch thing, it's nothing like that. Like, right, so... Uh, I think the best way to put it would be that the baseline power of everything is very high and then the synergy bonus is relatively low. Yeah, if you were Mercy and you were like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to power up Farah. I'm going to fly around and follow her and make her rockets more powerful. She gets hit. I'm going to heal her. That's my plan. And then Farah dies. All right, now you're screwed? No, you're not screwed at all. <laughs> right. you, you're actually you're totally fine. Just go have synergy with anybody else on the team. Like exactly. almost, almost anybody. I mean, okay, there's some that you'll be sad, more sad about than others, but the chances of there being somebody around that you could benefit are pretty high. So yeah, somehow, even though it has this parts of the machine design, I, it's managed to avoid the frustration of it and it's really reaped the benefits of it. The biggest plus of that design is that you can have simple characters because any given character does not need to have all the tools to beat every other character. So that, that's sad, but it allows each character to be so approachable. And that's got to be a big reason of why 10 million people or something are, are playing this because you can just pick any character and you can feel like you can wrap your head around them very quickly as, as a new player i often felt like okay this character has five moves but really like two of them i'm gonna think about all right now i get it now like i'm gonna start using the third one third move and in just a couple games i've i've got it you know i've understood absolutely the, the point not like a fighting game <laughs> where it takes usually a lot longer to understand what's going on with the character also, I think there's something to be said. I mean, surely if you want to be a very competitive hardcore player, there's a lot under the hood you'd like to know. But I think compared to something like a fighting game, there's not that many hidden mechanics that you really ought to know about. Like if you're trying to play a fighting game and you don't understand block stun or the startup of a move versus the active versus the recovery or invincibility frame. Like if you don't know what any of that is, you're going to struggle more than if you don't understand the kind of engine of Overwatch. Like there's not much to know, like hit people in the head and that's kind of it. Well, I found there is quite a bit of behind the scenes little things to know here and there, but I would agree that it's not as important to know them. Or Right, something. that's my point. Right, yeah. Like it, it doesn't inhibit you to play as much as maybe it would in some other genres. I wonder your thoughts about it being not truly asymmetric. Like in a, in a full asymmetric game, I pick a character, I'm locked into it, and I am unburdened in having to know how to play all the other characters. Now, I have to know how to play against them, but playing against them is way, way easier than playing as them. 
So one of the benefits of the, of an asymmetric game is that the, the amount you need to learn is much less. But in this game, you can be anyone mid-match. So right. your burden of knowledge is higher because you should be able to play more. Like it, it would be unwise to, to only play one character or something. Sure, absolutely. So I, I actually find that to be one of the more unfortunate elements. And, and maybe if we had done this podcast in a month, I might have more to say since the rank mode just coming out. Now is really the time where I'm having to push my own abilities in that regard to their limit and identifying when I need to switch characters how to sw- like how to effectively counter what they're doing if what we're doing isn't working and, and you know those various things but overall i definitely don't like the idea of always questioning am i even playing the right thing that certainly is much more of a burden than any other game in the genre where that's just not even a question you think i remember when the game first came out and i'd only played it just a few times like at, at that point you're not really thinking about countering them you know because you sure. don't even know what how your no, character yeah, works yeah, no like, concept of it right Right. So and I don't think you, you should care about that. I think if you're new, you should really focus on just how can I play my own character effectively? And then you'll sort of notice over time, like, okay, when I fight character X and Y, I can beat them really easily. When I fight these other two characters, I always lose. And that will give you some basis to even want to switch later, but you're, you're still sort of feeling it out. So, But my point is that early on when I when I wasn't thinking about switching, and I think that was a fine way to think early on, if you had told me, oh, by the way, you can't switch, I wouldn't have really thought anything of it. I would have been like, yeah, okay. But you can. So so why can you? And I've got two different answers for you. I think maybe the wrong answer is because it would be unfair competitively. Because, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that's what most people would say, but... Um, Right, that it would add more of an element of rock, paper, scissors to the picking phase of the game or something? Yeah, so it would, but there's still so many team comps that would work versus so many other team comps. Oh, would, sure, I'm just saying that would be the reasoning, not that I even agree with it. If you, if you, if you couldn't switch and, the, and you had this game that worked that way and then someone said, hey, let's add this new feature where you can switch, like maybe that would open up some new team comps and make new things happen. But there's just a big negative, too, of this burden of knowledge of now you've got to kind of know everything. And I don't know. I'm, I'm on the fence how I even feel about it. But I'll well, give you a, one, a different one answer. Oh, Wait, let me, sorry, let me tell ahead. you. Tell me your thoughts in just a moment. I'll tell you why I think it really is this way. I think the real reason is imagine that you were playing a certain character and you thought to yourself, I want to play a different character. And you couldn't switch. In that world, in a pub game, which is like the main thing they need to be thinking about when they're making this is how millions of people play in public just casual games. I think you would just quit. You would just like leave the game and then join a new right. one and, and be a right. new character. And so if that, and then you could say, well, we don't want people to do that. So we'll have like a leaving penalty, but that's crappy. I mean, the underlying problem is still there. So I think it's just so crappy to have a system where a lot of people would want to quit the game in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> that they're like, no, screw it. Like, this is a solved problem in, in Team Fortress. Uh, you could switch. You don't have to leave the game. Just stay in the game and switch. And that's probably why. And then the competitive scene gets whatever benefits that brings. Right. I don't know. I'm just guessing. But yeah, go ahead no, with your I, thoughts. I agree with that. Uh, the, I was just going to make a funny little observation that because you are allowed to freely switch, it does let you try crazy gimmicks way more. And I think, you know, as yeah, this competitive definitely. scene, as the competitive scene of this game blossoms, I think we're going to see ridiculous things attempted all the time because why not? Right. It just doesn't hurt that much to go for something nuts and then just switch if it doesn't work. Yeah, it's a good point. So I think there's negatives, but there's also this fun factor that comes from it. Maybe we could list off some things 
we've tried. Uh, oh, so well, the, I mean, the most the most common ones are Winston at the end, right? To, right, right. Like it's you're you're trying to push the payload, and everyone's trying to keep you off. And you're like, no, screw that. Just I'm Winston. I'm jumping around. I'm causing chaos. And, and, and Tracer too, blinking into it, rewinding back out, blinking in, blinking back out, blinking in a third time just to keep the overtime clock going. All that nonsense. Uh, at the end, or right? Earlier? Yeah, like if you're on offense and and you're trying to keep your overtime clock alive, Tracer is an A plus. Oh, oh, I understand your point. Yeah, I was. Those are different scenarios. Uh, right. And then the other one that I've seen and started to do myself is Bastion at the end. I, like pushing a payload, especially once you once it's like right towards the end, it's just so chaotic that it's dead easy to appear with Bastion that no one has seen. And then one second later, you're in sentry mode, like mowing everyone down. Right. It's I found it very difficult to not get a bunch of kills. Right. And I think the reason for that is one of the big weaknesses of Bastion is people going, OK, they have a Bastion. Look out for him, kill him and he'll die. So if they're not even looking for that, then. Oops. Yeah. So this is like they're not looking for it. And it's the most chaotic moment. Moment, and there's going to be a bunch of targets right in front of you. It's just, it's very, and it's low risk, even if it doesn't, I mean, it basically works pretty freaking often, but even if it didn't work, right. this situation that I'm talking about, you're right outside your spawn point. So right. whatever, just. Right. I okay, think so uh, one you ones. mentioned actually that in the same vein of being very low risk was picking Widowmaker at the start of maps on offense and like sniping <laughs> from your spawn. Yeah, it's Route 66 that is my favorite to do that. I think it's the perfect best place to be Widowmaker, even though I've been told not to be Widowmaker there. It's the best because... Kings Row 2. Kings Row 2 would be very good for that. Okay, well, I, I like Route 66 the most for this because the train wreckage that's set up right in front of you, in front of your spawn point, is just begging for there to be turrets and bastions. It's, sure. There's just always a bastion or Torbron turret there. And uh, if you're Widowmaker, you can snipe those things literally from your spawn point. That's what's so crazy. And that uh, we should clarify the mechanics here. When you're in your spawn point, even if you're not dead, you can switch. So there's no actual drawback. Like you, you don't have to commit to playing Widowmaker for the entire map. You could just sit in your spawn room, shoot some turrets, and then with no drawback, switch to anyone else. <laughs> right. I think some more team-wide things that I've been starting to experiment with. Obviously, it's hard in pubs because you have to get everyone to go along with it. But um, five divas plus something appropriate for the situation, it can be absolutely crazy on offense because it's just so much life to try to burn through that you could take a control point before they even know how to kill all of you. Yeah, we, we've we independently uh, discovered that one because I told you about the gimmick Five Divas plus a Farah right. that was in one of the, I forget which one, but it's the... One the, of the Temple on Nepal, I think? Yeah, it's the... I think that's the ruins, right. The ruins, the ruins. It's the one where you're like you're inside, and there's a, like a moat, like a pit around the the point. Yeah, the, the underground one, right? Or uh, yeah, with the tunnel and the drop down point and stuff. Tunnels and drop down. I don't know, but uh, it's sure. Anyway, I mean, it's, a, it, it's it's an indoor thing, and there's a pit around the point, which is the important point because you are trying to capture this thing and. First, your first problem is how how long is it going to take you to kill five divas, like a hundred years or something? There's so many hit points. <laughs> right. And then uh, they're doing that defense matrix thing. So like your shots right. don't even work. And, <laughs> and, and, and like the time is ticking by. Like how are they not going to capture it? Right. How, like honestly. And if they ever get their ultimates, good luck. Like honestly, let's say you were better than them and you're going to beat them and you are going to kill them. Oh, okay, fine. But they're going to capture the point, right? Like, right. You, you actually can't even deal enough damage fast enough. Right. 
to stop. So they're going to capture the point and maybe drag it out super long. Meanwhile, there's Farah shooting rockets at you. And uh, <laughs> then the thing that just puts it over the top is chaining the ultimate, the nerf this right. thing where everything blows up. Like with one of those, okay, you see, it's going to happen. You got to run for cover for uh, two seconds or something. Yeah. But, but what happens if you have to run for cover for two seconds, but then there's another one and now you've got to run for cover and two more seconds. And then there's a third one and a fourth one. And like, you can't even play actually. And they just <laughs> like, they can just win. And like, you're not even allowed in the room. <laughs> right. So that's what I've encountered. And then tell me uh, your deal with Lucio, right? Yeah. So it was on the, um, the uh, Volskaya Industries map on offense, where basically we needed to, it was in overtime, so we needed to take, or not overtime, but the, um, oh no, it might have been overtime. Yeah, that's right. Like the two minute sudden death thing, where oh, we needed oh, to take not the, point Not a. the overtime, like, not, yeah, not the, the secondary overtime. clock. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, just, you have two minutes, it's like, right. play the game, you have two minutes, go. So with five divas and a lucio first off you just speed boost like there's that big choke on on volskaya where there's kind of the double arches and you know they always set up their defense there first off if you didn't want to do lucio you could actually just fly around the back and then completely ignore that but because we wanted lucio we decided to just run through the front so when you have five speed boosted divas <laughs> I, I didn't even i didn't even know that until yesterday by the way but yeah, yeah it's, it's super crazy the- too Okay, go ahead. So you went yeah. to the front door. Yeah. yeah, go through the front door, um, you know, with defense matrix up because you can do that while you're boosting, uh, which is crazy. Uh, I mean, people all know that. But um, so you're just running in through their front door, not giving a damn about their, you know, static you, you defenses can't, they might have set, set You up. can't actually die right there. Right. And yeah. then the other thing is, so maybe some people don't know the mechanics of armor or diva or, or maybe the actual healing numbers on Lucio, but when he uses his amp up on his healing aura, it actually heals 40 HP per second, which is really high, especially because diva has mostly armor, which is basically more effective HP, somewhere between like 5 and 50% more effective, depending on what's hitting you. So Diva's biggest weakness normally is that she's a bullet magnet and that she gets shot by everyone all the time. That weakness is necessarily countered by having five Divas. They can't all be bullet magnets. And on top of that, the fact that they all have a large reservoir of HP that could be healed means that Lucio, with his AoE heal, is healing an absurd amount all the time. What this means is that you just run through the front door almost for free and then get on the point and it's just so absurdly hard to ever kill them that even if the fight goes on for a long time, they're probably gaining a, a, you know, a DPS advantage over you. And then if they ever get their ults, then you just chain the ults on the point and it's GG. Oh, something I left out of my story, which is also true in yours, is that after the team that's facing this manages to actually kill one or more of these divas which is kind of difficult because there's just so much hit points involved and defense matrix you still don't get to take the point because the diva character without the mech is there sure right (laughs) so it drags it on even longer yeah so just so people are aware diva has the most effective hp even if you ignore the pilot existing so it's it's really quite something so to take it back to our point is we've listed these crazy combos and I guess we're saying these are all the more possible because you can switch all the time. Right. I don't think you could ever convince your team to go five divas in a Lucio 
if they were going to be stuck with that. I don't think they would be comfortable doing it. Well, so is this is it good or bad? Well, I think that it adds, uh, I hate even using this word uh, because it's so tied up in stigma, but it adds variance to the outcome of games because if you try a crazy gimmick and it happens to be effective, then maybe even if you're less skilled than your opponents, you can win. But I think it's hilarious and I'm all for it. I was worried of the opposite, that uh, it's creating too many low variant situations like okay i give the example of being widowmaker uh, in the spawn room uh, maybe that's you know n- not the greatest example but that's just the one we have so far so let's say that that was really good then you're forced to do it mm-hmm. if you if if you had to pick widowmaker the entire map then that means there's some force on you that's like hey it would be good to pick widowmaker here because at the beginning you know you'd be happy but it's a trade-off you know maybe you don't want a widowmaker but if you can do it like for no cost then you should always do it you know again that might be a bad example maybe you shouldn't always do that right. there well, well i think I but think, other um, you could imagine other situations sure i think the main thing there is you could have penalties in place if necessary or, or maybe you know if you've been you could have a rule like if you've been alive for 15 seconds you can't switch until you die or you know something like i think there's ways where you could still have the positives while mitigating kind of weirdo downsides like like that where, well, where the sa- kind of- same thing at the end uh, of maps like if you know we're saying that there's certain characters that are really good at the end and so maybe ultimately you use quote unquote have to switch to them <laughs> right like i certainly don't think you know if everyone's has a giant melee on the point and you're constantly all dying and respawning i don't think you want to be symmetra there for example <laughs> you'd much rather be winston well, but yeah right i think yeah, I've, think, I've been Symmetra and Mercy and have done like kind of, you know, okay during most of the match, but then it's getting like right down to the end. And I'm like, okay, there's no, why am I like Symmetra? I'm not gonna be able to contribute. Mercy, in theory, maybe I could, but I just happen to know that it's really all about how much damage can we do quickly at the end. And I would just be better off as Pharaoh or something. Sure. Or, or uh, at least be Lucio because everyone's going to be grouped up. So you're going to heal way more than Mercy. Okay, uh, sure. Uh, though even then there are cases where it's just purely about how much damage right, can you instantly right. deal. And so I, I switch because I, quote unquote, have to, like it's foolish not to. And I, I don't know. I mean, I have fun with the game. I like it, but I have trouble explaining like why this is OK. <laughs> I mean, there's like a fun well, factor to it, I guess. Well, I would say that uh, there's again, there's things you, there's forces that you could put in like, you know, this is a whole other thing that I actually would kind of hope they never have to do. But Let's say, you know, going three Winstons at the end ends up being quote unquote correct pretty much all the time. Well, then you could just make it so you can't have three Winstons and then you'll still have some diversity and maybe it won't be as important to, you know, do these emergency switches at the last second just because you should. I see. But you'll still have the one Winston in that case. Right. I'd say that I, I guess the, the way I'd put it is that even if the knobs on how exactly to tune this so there's the least of those situations possible haven't all been tuned correctly, I think over time it can get there where there's not that many situations where you're forced to switch because you'd be an idiot not to. So even if they're not there right this second, I think that they could find a pretty good spot for that. I think it's possible within the system. I mean, I still kind of worry. Uh, one thing they have on a positive is the ultimate system. So if you switch, if you had ultimate, then you just gave up a resource. So there's some reason to not switch. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Which is why you don't see shifts all the time in in teams. It's too big of a cost to every life change your character because then you'd essentially never get ultimate 
except for, you know, the couple of characters who can build it really quick. So, you you know, that's certainly the force in play right now that, that prevents it. Um, but, you know, again, in these last minute situations, that's not much of a factor. So I, I can see why you're still worried about it. Um, I think time will tell, though, what, what ends up happening with that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's fun to play and it's more like when i sit around and think about it i go mm, i don't know about this what i'm actually playing it's i'm not really frustrated or anything right i mean maybe that so much of the design is geared towards casual players being happy maybe that's part of the answer here is like you're less frustrated that you can switch actually because if you're getting countered you can do something about it you can always do something about it right or if you just are scrubbing out and playing terribly like i guess I, I, you know it's funny somehow we haven't managed to talk about what in my opinion is probably the number one downside of having oh like always freedom to switch which is that you get bossy bully nerds who are going to tell you what to play all the time maybe there's not a lot of them but whenever that comes up it is a pretty toxic experience yeah i've mentioned that to you I, i'm very upset about these people telling me who i can and can't play when they have no idea what they're talking about and you can't like the guy you can't play reaper on this map because he's bad and then like i got the most kills and we win easily like what what was he even talking about? But right, there's a few players that have, I think they have this notion of like the kind of most middle of the road possible team and that you just always have to be that. And they just can't imagine like deviating from it at all. And of course, in a pub game, you have the most ability to deviate from that. You could play Absolutely. like almost anything and should be able to win. It's a different story than if you're in the tournament finals or something, but even there, it's not like the most middle-of-the-road team is the best idea. And you probably should do five Divas and a Lucio or whatever, like once in a while. Right, right. <laughs> Support for this podcast comes from patrons like you at patreon.com slash You can become a patron and support the development of more finely tuned Serlin games as well as more content on this podcast. And if you do, you get access to a sneak peek at art that's in development and playtest materials for upcoming games. You also get access to a special second podcast where you can hear behind the scenes of how we actually solve design problems. That's patreon.com slash Serlin. I just thought of a whole other thing that we should talk about is all the non-gameplay stuff. Like it flows right from what we were talking about that maybe a casual player is less frustrated when you say that you can switch to whoever you want, whenever you want. Well, what about everything else? I mean, there's no scoreboard about who got the most, second most kills and who got the fewest kills and who sucked. There's only a thing where you congratulate each other and everyone gets congratulated. Right. right? Yeah. yeah. Even your opponents. So the, the whole end game scenario is just designed to completely remove anything that would make you feel bad and add things that, can potentially make you feel good even if you didn't contribute the most maybe you were on the objective the longest or maybe you froze people with may for a long time or something right. and right. so have a little pat on the back i think it's right. gone over really well and people really like it and the play of the game makes everyone feel good and uh, that for people who don't know the play of the game is this system where there's like an instant replay of a cool thing that some player did could be that on your, did. yeah that a passion did <laughs> could be on your team or the enemy team but it's it's just like another let's highlight someone and make them feel good and show you something funny or cool that you might have missed so uh, it's, it's a, a super just, go ahead go ahead super side note on that exact thing uh, with the play of the game i think it's amazing how they integrated part of their monetization uh w with the cosmetics and you know vanity items into that system where 
you have a thing that's just kind of funny and cool that everyone kind of likes. I mean, yeah, yeah, jokes about, you know, always being Bastion or Reaper ults aside. Um, <laughs> like, you know, even ignoring that, the fact that now that you have this little replay thing, well, now we could add these really cool intros to the replay. And you really want to get one of these cool intros because if you're a badass player and you're going to be getting play of the game all the time, you don't want to have your guy just standing around for like five seconds while we introduce you. You want to look like a brutal killer who's just on top of his A game. So you're going to have to open up a bunch of loot crates to try to get a cool highlight for your guy. Yeah, people love the loot crates. So, I mean, a drawback is that you cannot directly buy these costumes. You have to get them randomly in the crate or you can use the currency that you get if you open enough crates to sort of directly buy, kind of like Arcane Dust and Hearthstone. And, you know, how many people people complain about that? Almost none. Both me and Mr. Chief Phantom combed the forums of not just one forum, like of the whole Internet, just trying to take the temperature of people's thoughts on this. And it's overwhelmingly positive. Everyone loves it. So they, they love it because... Because the common person is thinking, instead of, I have to pay to get cosmetics, I can get them for free. So it's great and I love it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, you know, even though it's more expensive, if you want to buy these costumes, everyone loves it. They love getting free stuff all the time. And that's more compelling to a casual player than the Heroes of the Storm way. So in that game, you can directly buy cosmetics, but that's the only way. And each game that you play, you do not get a crate of free stuff. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which one do you think the average player likes for? And also then you don't have an excuse to have numbers go up like you do in Overwatch because as the numbers go up and you get free stuff. And if there's two things people love, it's free stuff and numbers going up. Numbers go up and it's going to do something for you. Uh, To go off your point of the intros, you said, do you think are cool? They did a pretty good job of filling these crates with stuff that don't junk up the game you know like okay there's all these sprays you can get to spray an icon on the play field here and there that's fine that doesn't like make the game feel junky because you only ever really do it in your spawn room anyway right that's the only point of it is just to put it in your spawn and then put it over someone else's spray to make them mad <laughs> yeah and uh this cool intros those are fine and costumes like I, I guess they've done this monetization thing in a way that at least so far it doesn't feel terrible <laughs> as like so by contrast uh team fortress 2 when it first came out <laughs> everyone was like wow this is this art style is amazing it's so iconic and you can tell everything apart and then just it went to hell right like because everyone's dressed yeah. up and had fortress <laughs> so will the same happen here i don't know uh they seem pretty dead set like even if you look at the skins in the game even the more extravagant ones like they do very little to the actual character models like I think they're, they they understand the importance of visibility in a shooting game. It shouldn't take too much longer, but there's a couple points just want to run through real quick. Uh, one of them is the things that the game does not have. There's a surprising number of them. So there's sure. no, no story mode. There's no arcade mode, which Street Fighter V is raked over the coals for not having. <laughs> there's, there's no right. single player experience to speak of at all. There's no way to just play a bot game like in the main flow. Like there's a thing that says like versus bots, but actually it's with other players versus the bots, which is like really confusing. If you want to set up as an all bot game, you can go to the custom match and do that. But it's like not set up for you to, I mean, just the menu flow. Yeah, they kind of don't intend for you to do that. Yeah, they don't really want you to do that. My point is like, even though technically there's single player and that you could do that, practically there's not. I mean, they're just... There's no single player content, really. 
and other games would just get destroyed in the press for this sort of thing, but no one cares. Uh, there's a training mode, and the training mode has around 1% of the features that a fighting game training mode should have. <laughs> right. <laughs> It has like absurdly few. I mean, you can't even do something like set an opponent or have there even be like, what if you want to fight against a Winston and see like, well, how much does my shot do against Winston at this distance or like against a Reinhardt shield? Can I spawn a Reinhardt and then have him hold a shield up? No, you can't have a Reinhardt at all. You can't really do hardly <laughs> anything at all in this training mode. So it's like kind of a terrible training mode. No single player content. Yeah, no story or campaign. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say that you can boil this game down to you log into it and then you hit play and that's your option. Yeah, so I'm not complaining because I like logging into it and hitting play, but it's just kind of surprising. It's like almost like they right. got away with something. I, is Street yeah. Fighter Five over there at the headquarters? Are they scratching their head? Like, how did this Overwatch game, how come well, everyone loves them? Yeah, I mean, I've chastised a few of Nintendo's launches on the Wii U lately for having so little content or modes or whatnot. And yet here in Overwatch, it has as few, if not fewer, and I don't care. I can't really explain it. I don't know. It's very surprising how little there is. I mean, it must be. I mean, the only thing I could even think that it would be is that there's just so much variety within that one mode that it kind of is many modes within itself. Yeah. And then, you know, as usual for Blizzard, it's just so polished and beautiful and like all the characters, they have their own unique footstep sounds and their own special effects and just every all these little touches that make them feel like their own thing and their gameplay is so different they it feels like different games really like we've mentioned mmos right. the mmo feel to winston well, if you play winston it doesn't really feel anything at all like playing anyone else or like mercy is ridiculously different <laughs> right from winston with, with reaper i'm like trying to get close to people and sneak up on them you know it feels like a like a stealth game like teleport way behind everyone and try to run up right behind their heads i do have to commend uh, the reaper design of the slow loud guy who's like the stealthy guy <laughs> The slow, loud guy with no invisibility is the the sneak up and ambush you guy, and they and it works. I don't know how they did that. So he, yeah, he's just completely different than uh, everyone else. And it, so I guess I, what I found is if I feel like even a slight bit bored, then I just there's some other character that's almost like I'm playing another game. Right. And then no matter who you pick, they're all so polished. They feel so good. They, their special effects or sound effects. The maps look good. So, I mean, maybe it's just like having very high production values and having a lot of varied gameplay. Oh, yeah. The number of characters is something I want to mention. So 21 characters. It's a lot of characters. Like we wouldn't have guessed that, I think. Because Team Fortress has nine classes, right? Right. And if you're going to make... I mean, and what about games that aren't Team Fortress? Three? Like what, Destiny's got three classes or something? I like just have no idea, but sure. This concept of having like 21 is just totally crazy and not what any of these other games are doing. But now that we've seen it, it makes total sense because they want to have a 6v6 game. Well, what if you had nine classes? So... You have a bunch of duplicates, but you have a bunch of non-duplicates too. And it's kind of like on the edge where I think you'd say, well, what if we just had some more classes so that there weren't duplicates? So that how many would you right. need? Well, you'd need at least 12. But if you only had 12, I mean, everyone would have to perfectly 
pick to have their Navi duplicate. So that's like kind of not enough either. And, you know, they've gone with almost double that. And there will be more too. They are working on more characters. Yeah, I hope they don't add many more. Yeah, on that exact note, I think that one risk that this game has in terms of longevity as being the great game it is today is if they continue adding stuff to the game, whether it's characters or maps or, you know, crazy cosmetics or whatever it might be, games have a tendency to become less accessible and more complicated over time. And I think Overwatch is at a very perfect state of accessibility versus complexity and all that stuff. And I hope they don't overwhelm the future new player with way more crap to learn than they'll ever be able to. Yeah, I agree. And I can just picture this future where there's 30, 40, 50 characters, and I don't think it's a good idea, but I wonder if they're going to do that. I mean, I think they could add four or five at most before I would start questioning it. Right, right. Maps, I don't need any maps. I don't know. They could add one, maybe. (laughs) But they're going to add a lot, I bet. Well, I I was going to say, I think they're going to keep adding maps. So I think what they need to do is just have a rotation where only certain maps are even playable in the game at any given point because oh i see so there's not like there's not like 50 maps right exactly once or something right it's like there's always 10 maps in the pool but you know they change over time that's i'm much more okay with that than just additively stacking more and more maps until you you know you don't even know like you can't even do interesting things because you don't even know what to do on any given map So I guess they chose this many just because of the 6v6 thing and wanting to have different characters all the time. Uh, Another point I want to kind of just briefly mention at least is not the gameplay part, but just the surface level of all these characters. So it's been a huge hit. Even before the game came out, people were obsessed with with Overwatch characters. Like they're dressing up as them and making fan art for them. I don't know if you even were aware of that, but it was such a big phenomenon. There's news stories that were just about how curious it was that that was happening before the game was released. So on the one hand, we have the part where we know that people like the characters, but let me put them in a bad light for you and see what you have to say. They're really cliche. Like, okay, let's have them be from around the world. Obviously, there's a French girl. So Australia. Okay, what happens there? Mad Max. Can we just have two guys from Mad Max? be in the game right so that's about that's a movie it's about like driving how about driver man no not no not driver man but something like that like a a road hog what about road hog and what and then someone's like well sure that, that could be like a code name and then you're like well what if we just went with the most on the nose thing where he's like a hog he's like he's got like a pig on his stomach and he goes like, what is it? Whole hog or something? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's his ultimate whole hog. It's so on the nose that it's almost a little cringeworthy. Okay. Well, how about this idea? It's like a guy about death and he wears <laughs> all black and he speaks and it, in a spooky voice. Yeah. So we need a voice line for his ultimate, which, oh, what about like die uh, or, or, or die, die, die? What about that? Uh, we need a name for him. Like, Oh, what's, what should it be? Something very fanciful and gothic. Well, or just just like Grim Reaper, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> or, just, or just Reaper? Just the most... Okay, I'll tell you what. Re- obviously not Reaper, but we'll, as a placeholder, we're just going to put Reaper in. <laughs> like, it's, it's just kind of pathetic. Oh, Along the same lines, we are going to need a healer. And again, as a placeholder, we're just going to say Mercy, because it's mercy, you know, mercy like a healer. 
So there's a so generic. So what happened? Why why did that? Why was it so effective? <laughs> I think it's due to I, I don't know how much of it was a gameplay consideration. Obviously, the actual naming wasn't, but it just in terms of their kind of design, in terms of their look and stuff like that. Um, a big thing I remember actually the dev commentaries on Team Fortress Two. I don't know if you remember those, but you could like go into some of the maps and the, the developers like put like like speaking hubs in there and they would tell you about what they were thinking about when they were making stuff. And one thing they mentioned back then was the readability of the different characters' silhouettes. Like if you're far away, oh yeah, and you're yeah. On the enemy I, team, I, I read you, articles on that and saw lectures about it. Right. So I, I certainly think you know making Mercy you know look like an angel and you know, have a brightly colored beam and all that certainly helps understand what you're even up against. Um, but yeah, I understand that that doesn't fully explain the, the level of cliche and uh, perhaps uh, I don't even know if I want to use the term lack of creativity because it ends up all working just fine. But certainly not too much outside the box thinking with uh, the character design in terms of their aesthetic. So I wonder if it's just like a mass market thing, like it becomes just more universal when it's so generic. Yeah, I mean, like just, maybe it's more iconic that way, right? Like Reaper, everyone just gets it, even if it's kind of stupid. Just right. You just right, look at yeah. him, you hear his name, you get it. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to kill people. Cool. The other thing I can think of that explains this maybe is that at the game developers conference, there was a lecture from the Diablo three art lead, and he explained that at Blizzard, when they think of character concepts, they like to do eighty percent. I forget the word he used, but I mean, we'll say cliche, but like common understanding, like 80% totally normal, middle of the road and 20% something you don't expect. And his example was a barbarian. So a barbarian is like a cliche thing. It's in Dungeons and Dragons. It's a class like in any kind of fantasy thing. There's a barbarian. And what does a barbarian do? He's like he's big and strong. He fights close. Uh, he's got a lot of hit points. He's a good tank. Like, there's all these things that you just immediately think of and no one has to tell you. And their barbarian is those things. So the plus is that they don't have to explain things and you just get it right away. And they thought, well, how can we make him a little weird or different? And they thought, well, we'll make him old. What if he's like an old dude that has gray hair? That's kind of weird. It's like not the cliche barbarian. And so that's what they did there. And I, I wonder if they attempted that with these Overwatch characters. Like if if what when I listed all these cliche things, that was part of the 80%, but maybe there is a 20% that's trying to be its own thing. Doesn't seem like it, but maybe. <laughs> Does it, yeah, you think it's more 100%? <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking more like 99. <laughs> I do like that the explosives guy blew off his own leg and his hair is perpetually on fire. That's good. <laughs> Right. And he has a nice walk animation. Right. <laughs> he ho hobbles around. Right. Well, we could probably go on forever, but I mean, yeah, do I we want to try to go in? I didn't go in depth on my advanced May tactics. That'll be for next time, <laughs> I guess. I was imagining like, what if we had to design this game, but we had, we didn't have it in front of us. We designed these characters, let's say. And I was thinking how some of them, uh, I would have designed them just the same way. So like, if you said that there should be a healer, I'd say, well, the healer shouldn't really have to aim. Can't they just like auto target? Probably they should have a beam or something because it would, it's like a, it's a plus and a minus. Like it's visually good because you can see exactly who you're healing because there's this big beam on the screen. So can everyone else, but it's a minus gameplay wise because the enemy can see you more easily. So you've got to care about your positioning. I, I would have done that. I would have gave Mercy 
that same thing uh probably would have come up with the damage boost as the alt fire and uh the thing about zipping around you know where you can like get to people very quickly i don't know if i would have thought of that but i hope i would because it it goes along with being a healer is you need to get to the people you need to heal right. uh especially when you have people like pharah like flying all over the place like how you to heal right. if you can't get to them and so it, it all, works so well with her aesthetic too of being like an angel with wings and whatnot right i wouldn't have done that but it does make sense so i was thinking how that's the case where even if i hadn't seen the game i would have ended up with something similar uh, another one is pharah so i would have said there need like even more i don't know if there needs to be a healer but there needs to be a person with a rocket launcher like we're making a first person shooter are you kidding me like there has to be a rocket launcher person and what's the most fun thing to do with a rocket launcher person it would be to make them like they're playing tribes you know or tribes right, where everyone has jetpacks. Right. And um, that thing that goes along with having rocket launcher is doing a rocket jump when Quake was a big iconic thing. Can yep. we just make that a button? It's like stupid that you've got to shoot a rocket. Just give her a, a jump button that goes super high. So I would have come up with basically exactly Farah, except I wouldn't have thought to give her her uh, special ability, uh, that the concussive blow thing. I'm, I'm not against it. I just I wouldn't have thought of that. And then Reaper, I would have sort of gotten close. My first thought would be surely he has stealth, right? <laughs> right. That, that's uh, when I even heard about him. The first thing I thought was, okay, that's the guy with invisibility. Like when I just saw like some basic thing about him, like, oh, he's got shotguns and he sneaks up on you. Okay. He goes invisible. So I, I would have given him invisibility, but then maybe someone would say like, oh, well we can't have invisibility. So why, why, why not? Is it too cheap? Is it too frustrating? No way to counter it or something? I don't know. I don't know either. I, I, I imagine it could work, but I just imagined that that would be the first thing out of my mouth and then somebody would tell me that I can't do it and I'd say, all right, fine. He should have a teleport then because that way he could at least try to sneak up on you the old fashioned way. So I'd say he should, he should have a teleport. He should have something that does a lot of damage from close. Oh, geez. What could that be? Maybe a shotgun because that's the iconic thing that does damage from close. I probably would have given him one shotgun and they kind of one up to me by giving him two and that, that are really, thrown on the floor instead of reloaded. Yeah, he has the best reload animation ever. I love it. So I, I might not have thought of that. I probably would have given him like the Terminator 2 kind. He could like spin it as he reloads. Mm. But yeah, yeah. I, like what, I like what they did. Anyway, so I would have given him the teleport, given him shotguns. But what my version would have been way too powerful because I wouldn't have had the courage to say, what about this idea for his right click, his alternate fire? How about this? Nothing at all. He doesn't have one. Right. I would have given him something like pretty decent. I also probably would have said like, okay, the shotguns, the point is they're good from close, right? And they're, they've got a damage fall off. So they're, there comes a range where they're less good. But what about if past mid range, they literally can't do any damage at all and they're just garbage. I probably wouldn't have done that. I would have said, no, that's too extreme, two parts machine. And I would have made his teleport like five times faster. Right. And maybe not have a visual and audio cue when it's happening also. <laughs> So what's funny is that the current Reaper seems fair, but the version I would have come up with is like massively more powerful. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't quite have a point. I mean, it's it's not really trying to brag. Or it's just saying I was so in sync with these characters that it just immediately made sense and I would have come up with the same thing. Then I tried to think of like who would I have failed the most at? Um, probably I would have failed the most at Junkrat. I think my Junkrat would have been pretty crappy compared to theirs. Because I would have said, hey, you know the flak gun in Unreal? Do you, have, do you happen to know that yes, weapon? Yes, yes. I would have said, how about this? He's got that, and I don't know, the, the end? <laughs> I mean, they basically give that to Torbjorn, right? 
Well, no, not really, because when I say the flat gun, I mean that it has two modes, and one of them is to shoot that ball that has like an arc to it, and Chorbjorn doesn't have that part. That's more like Junkrat's grenades. But then the other part of it is like Chorbjorn, the, the alternate fire where it scatters. The actual Junkrat, you know, they gave him this mine, and he can... Yeah, I feel like, there's, I feel like their starting point for that was, I mean, either the Demo Man or just the grenade launcher from Quake, and then saying, well, what are things you like to do with the Demo Man or the, the, the grenade launcher from Quake? Well, you can do the rocket jump thing like the rocket launcher person, and we didn't want them to have to actually shoot the ground and jump, so I guess he shouldn't have to either. Okay, well, we don't want both characters to just have, you know, the same button, right? So how can we make his weird? Oh, well, what if it has the duality of being able to use it on offense? Oh, that's cool. So right there, that, 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 that part of it kind of... Kind of, I think, I don't want to say designs itself. I mean, these people did an amazing job, certainly better than I would have. But that part of it kind of, I think, is intuitive. And then every character has some sort of passive ability or some sort of just thing that exists. Like Mercy can glide through the air and whatnot. So his being martyrdom, the famous Call of Duty perk where you drop a grenade when you die. That fits exactly perfectly on him where all, you know, all of his grenades fall out on the ground whenever you kill him. So I think, I've, been, I, I think I've been killed by that like a million times. And Sea Weezy said that it is impossible for that to kill anyone. And I finally oh, no. understood, like, why does he think that? And why do I think what I think? And the reason is because I played Reaper a lot and I died to it all mm-hmm. the time. Is it, you're, right. I'm right next to him. And right. I'm just trying to, like, run to the next person. And I go, oh, I forgot. There's freaking mines or grenades. Yes, may I died to that all the damn time so about the design concept of these where i wouldn't have come up with junk rat but then in, now that we have the hindsight we can like look back at what they did junk rat it seems like the design meeting must have been he controls space they just yelled that over and over like what if he can like shoot a lobbing thing to get to an area that he is safe from but he could still threaten it he controls the space and what if he can put a mine there and what if he can put a trap there all of it all of it's controlling space and so is the uh the super move the tire like it, it it's all about he can attack things that he doesn't have to be in line of sight of all of his moves are about that well, and then, well maybe the the tire isn't the best example because that just controls the whole map forever yeah it does control the whole map i still think they're gonna post a, a bug fix that says like oh sorry it was three times as much <laughs> radius as we meant uh, the, for the last like eight months and we just didn't notice or something uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's my most feared move in the game. As I mentioned to you earlier, I've tried things like be a mile away from it or two miles away from it or be Lucio speed boosted running away from it and never helps. So Junkrat, all about attack space that he doesn't have line of sight of. And then May is also really all about controlling space in a different way. You know, she can freeze everyone in front of her with her ice ray or with her ultimate. She can control space with her wall. So very focused designs. Those two I would not have come up with. I don't know. It's just, it's just interesting uh, to see how varied all the characters are. Definitely. They did a great job with that element of it. So you have any closing thoughts? Have we have we explained what was well designed? I feel like we have struggled to, to really summarize it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just because we haven't been able to figure out the secret sauce that makes all these individual components that we've seen everywhere before. And, and somehow when they come together here, they just work so well. Yeah, it's something about that. Like, it's it's not that these ideas are new. It's that they're just the right ideas. <laughs> it's all the good stuff put together. Somehow I want to play this and I like I like Counter-Strike, actually, but I don't want to play it. Right. right. I know what you mean. Quake also. I mean, you know, I had fun with Quake 10 years ago or something, but I'm not like lining up to play Quake. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know how they did it. 
Yeah, it's it's just so approachable and so feel good. That's got to be an element of it. They've just bent over backwards to not scare you away if you're bad. So, I mean, I don't know. It seems like a key thing. I mean, we could try to do another episode on this. So we, uh, there's a whole whole topic of like the map design and the objective design that we didn't even talk right. about. Also, the competitive mode. It, they seem to have a lot of trouble figuring out how that should work. And I think we have opinions on that. Sure. And then I got to talk about my advanced May tactics with everybody so they can become professionals. Okay. We can insert a May strategy guide. Right, right in the middle, though, like in the middle of the <laughs> sentence. It just and now the May strategy guy. All right, well, probably anyone listening to this is playing Overwatch anyway. <laughs> right? Yeah, they don't like, have time to listen. They're too busy playing. It made two hundred and sixty-nine million dollars of revenue in the month of May, and it was released on May twenty-fourth. <laughs> <laughs> so it only really had a week. It still made two hundred and sixty-nine million dollars. I make that in an hour. Nothing. Nothing impressive to me. Okay, well, we'll wrap it up for now. We both like Overwatch, and we sort of know why, but not totally. (laughs) We we hope you are very enlightened by this discussion. All right, take care, everyone. Thanks for coming. Adios. All right, bye.